Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, as you may know, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this program, for one bedtime, I don't want them to bring their A-game, but rather their Z-game. It's a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Rob Harvilla, and he's going to talk with me about set lists. But before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyheads, do you know about the Judge John Hodgman podcast? Are you aware of the podcast Judge John Hodgman? A podcast that features John Hodgman and also features the just sound twice in the name of the podcast, Judge John Hodgman. Well, John has been dispensing justice for a decade now, right here on Maximum Fun. He talks to real people with real disputes, like, is chili a soup? How many frozen-themed snow globes is too many frozen-themed snow globes? Can a mother force her family to wear matching outfits on vacation? Judge Hodgman has fun, but behind each case he gets at the true feelings about why, for instance, a man needs a massive tank of jellyfish in the family room. That's on Judge John Hodgman, here at Maximum Fun, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now for our guest, Rob Harvilla. Rob Harvilla is an Ohioan who writes about music and popular culture for The Ringer. You may already be familiar with Rob from listening to the podcast he hosts, 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. But maybe you're thinking, well, what if I want to read about these songs instead of listening? Well, good news. You're in luck. It just so happens Rob is also an author. And you can read about this topic by purchasing or asking your library to order his book, 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. I'm happy to have one Rob Harvilla on the show to explain set lists. Rob, welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. Hello. It's, it's a great honor to be here, John. It's a great honor to talk to you again. You were on my show once. We talked about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, you asked me if Red Hot Chili Peppers frontman Anthony Kiedis was more shirtful these days. And in the moment, for whatever reason, that struck me as the funniest thing that I'd ever heard in my life, that phrase, more shirtful. I think I just laughed on the Zoom with you for several minutes. It was quite awkward. But since then, I've been I've been scheming about how to talk to you again under any circumstances, and these these are those circumstances, and I'm thrilled to be here. We'll table the idea of the shirtfulness <laughs> mm -hmm. of of Mr. Kitas for now. Okay. Um, how are before we begin a, a couple of questions about sleep? Hmm. How are the songs of the '90s as lullabies? <laughs> It's a good question. Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are not appropriate as lullabies, I have to say. I have a vinyl record somebody gave me of, like, do you know that series of lullabies? Like they take pop songs and turn them into lullabies. Like they've sure. done like everybody, like Metallica and Tool and like Nine Inch Nails. I have the Wu-Tang Clan 
as Lullaby's album on vinyl, which is nice. Mm. You know, that's convenient. I haven't I haven't cracked it open yet, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, what I would sing my children when they were younger is like a lot of Tom Petty, a lot of late 80s, early 90s Tom Petty, you know, the full moon fever, wildflowers era, I found to be quite comforting. To me, I don't know, yeah. to them, they were sort of indifferent. Like they, they wouldn't sleep regardless of what I did, but that's what I tried to do. So that was, you know, if anyone's going to put you to sleep, it's it's the the wizened, you know, all-American grandeur of of Tom Petty. Yes, luxuriating into his Florida roots. That's right. And that's sending right. you to sleep swampfully. <laughs> um, that's correct. What's the What's the best night of sleep you've ever had? Man, you've asked other people this question. I went to Libya once. Sure. Sure. I a band I was living in Oakland, California. I was writing for an alt weekly and a band called the Heavenly States decided that they would be the first American rock band to tour Libya. This was in somewhere two thousand three to two thousand five. Libya had nominally had, you know, joined the war on terror, had gotten off a few, you know, no fly, you know, terrorist watch list type lists. And now you can mm-hmm. go to Libya. And so this band decides they're going to Libya. And I went with them. And it was a disaster, right? Like they didn't get to play anywhere. Like they played in the basement of some diplomat's house and they were all bummed about it. But like I got home from that trip and I was very sick. Like I spent the night in Benghazi, you know, like just in a in a hotel room or whatever. But I got home and my my girl my wife, you know, my girlfriend at the time reports that I just collapsed on the bed and just would not speak or move for like 24 to 48 hours. So, you know, I don't really remember it, but I I do think that that was the deepest, most intense, you know, most stored up, you know, psychic damage type sleep that I've ever had. The post-Libya sleep. That's right. The underrated post-Libya sleep. Classic concept, sleep concept. Let's talk about set list when we when hmm. we inquired with you about being on the program this is this is the topic that you settled on what <laughs> what uh, attracted you to this topic in particular well just how boring it is and how of, of wow. no interest whatsoever it is an, an, uh, other than the person who is concocting the set list i was just trying to think about you know like the stores of arcane knowledge that I have, you know, that I could use to put someone to sleep. I'm guessing actually like during my open mic night phase in college, I probably put a few girls to sleep like inadvertently, like, like I wasn't trying then, right? Like that was not my objective, but like that's what happened. And so I figured now I would make up for it by talking about this and putting people to sleep on purpose. I figured I would try and close that loop if possible. It's such it's such a fine line between sensitive and caring and uh, sleep inducing. You're telling me, buddy, you know, I've been, I've been on the wrong side of that line for most of my life. So it's nice to be on the wrong side on purpose for once. This is very gratifying to me. Well, let's, let's go back to these set lists that, that you, as you say, concocted, which is Mm. ideal verb for for the arrangement of these. Um, during your open mic phase, maybe to begin with, tell me about who you were as a young <laughs> open mic artist. <laughs> well, I was in college. I was between the ages of 18 and 22. I was attending Ohio University in Southeast Ohio, a fine state institution. I was there for journalism school because I wanted to write for Rolling Stone. Uh, this is 1996 to 2000. This is the last. I got in just before the internet destroyed journalism, I think we can say objectively at this point. And so I majored in magazine journalism, you know, which is just a very funny idea to me now. You would absolutely not be permitted to do that at any point in the last, you know, 20 years. Uh, So, but you know, I also fancied myself like an artist, like a bard of sorts. Mm. You know, I just, I had thoughts, John. I had feelings. 
you know, I just you're uh, a sensitive young man. I was with ex- access to an acoustic guitar. That's correct. I was extremely sensitive, and I did unfortunately have access to a, 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 a Takamine. It had the cutaway, which is a nice feature, like the upper, like you could get a little higher on the neck because there's not part of the guitar blocking you. I really appreciated that element. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a, it had it was acoustic electric, like you could plug it in. Also nice. It had a little oh, okay. EQ thing right on. This was a much nicer guitar than I deserved, you know, or that the people around me deserved, quite frankly. But, you know, I, I tried to do it justice and I failed, you know, nobly, I think, sensitively, I'd like to think. Right, right. So tell me about the venue where you would, uh, where you would ply your sensitive trade. That's right. This would be the front room which was the classic, you know, student union campus coffee house. You know, okay. I where I vote, I live now in the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio, and our voting station is in a college building, is in the Otterbein, an Otterbein college building, and I was standing there waiting in line to vote, and I was right by a coffee station, and they had, you know, like they're mixing things, and like the steam, like just coffee shop sounds, and I had like a sudden transportive oh my God, I'm in college moment. Like just a really frightening, like sensory, you know, time mm. machine type feeling. So it's just like, you know, it's, 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 it, you, you sit there, there's a piano up on the stage. You can go up there and like play a few Smith songs if you're trying to appear extra sensitive. You know, you're sitting there, you read, you know, you read the student newspaper, you get like a vanilla Coke. I wasn't much of a coffee person at this point. Is you know, Coke with a shot of vanilla, uh, mm. syrup in it was that was my jam at the time perhaps a bagel you know a, mu- um, a muffin if you're if you're sure. feeling if you're feeling adventurous and you just, you, just, you just have a good sit John there mm. are email terminals I remind you this is the late 90s so to check your email you know there's a there's like a computer just for that purpose and like people waiting in line just to log in to read their email you know this this is part of my past that feels like ancient history now. Like I don't believe it was actually this way, even though I lived it personally. But that was it. And, that was my spot. That was my that was my home base. Right, right. And so th- this was an evening event when you would when you would play your your shows. Friday nights, if I recall, was was open mic night. Either Friday or Saturday, probably Friday. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it, they were run by, he was this rad dude named Bruce Dalzell. You know, I hope he's still there if he wants to be there, but he was, you know, he was a local guy. He was a rad singer songwriter and he just, he put it on every Friday and you know, you go there, you sign up on your little clipboard, you get what, like 15, 20 minutes, a slot, you know, that's three or four songs plus some witty banter, you know, to try and get like a vibe going. Uh, and you just, you sit there and you, you watch other, other dudes with acoustic guitars, you know, work out wonderful tonight by Eric Clapton, you know, or, you know, various Indigo Girls, uh, songs as I recall. And, you know, you just, you get nervous, you know, you drink your vanilla Coke, you know, and you just, you try and, you try and get your adrenaline to like a, a, a high level, but not an overly high level where you can't tune your guitar properly which was always an issue for me Uh, and then you just you go up there and you let it rip you just let all that sensitivity all that pent up you know week you know just journalism school all week man i got like advanced grammar you know i gotta learn to use a card catalog i i just i'm I'm stressed john and i this is how i this is how i relieve that stress which is to play tonight tonight by smashing pumpkins for a disinterested okay. crowd of 12 to 15 people, many of them employees of the coffee shop. Because you, you're you carrying the tension of needing a magazine journalism degree because you know that <laughs> yes. any self-respecting magazine That's right. will insist that you have a degree in magazine journalism. Do you know how to do this, sir? Like, did you train for this? Like, really? Do this you, isn't just journalism. Do you know magazines? Man. Do you know how to write a florid 250 word lead, you know, about skiing or whatever? It's like, yes, I do. Look, look at this. I, 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 I lived it. I've brought my diploma in here. So, you know, that's correct in the frame and everything. I brought that with me. I went to New York. Nobody wanted to deal with me. I still had a tag 
on my suit that I had I had neglected to take off. They they clocked me. One guy asked me in an interview, it was like for a hip men's magazine, he's like, what's the last movie you saw? And I gave the the accurate answer, like I told the truth. And mm. the last movie I had Oops. seen was High Noon, starring, I believe, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson, you know, as-, oh, as Shanghai Noon. Uh, thank you, thank you. Shang- Shanghai Noon, you know, which was not the answer- I should have made up. I, you know, oh, there was a Bergman festival, you know, at the like. No, Shanghai Noon is what I said. I, it will shock you to learn that I did not get that job, or really any job in magazine journalism. You know, now that I reflect on it, I have never worked for a proper like print magazine full time mm. in my life. Let's return bad. to the coffee house. Sure. You 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 mentioned a Smashing Pumpkins song. Was I that did. your your lead off in the set? I do think that that made list? for a good opener. You know, because yeah. if if you recall the song Tonight Tonight by Smashing Pumpkins, like there's a lot of symphonic action immediately, but like when it's just a dude, a sensitive dude such as myself playing guitar, it's just do 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 and you do that for like it's like it's thirty seconds but it feels like two hours. You know, I to me up there, but I imagine to the people in the room, like it just feels like it sets you know, it has like an amniotic kind of effect on the crowd in my experience. It just sort of sets the expectations. Like this guy is going to be just vibing at a very low frequency, you know, for the next 20 minutes. I, you know, it's just, I, I felt like it just, it set the tone that mm. I wanted to set, you know? And like, I really liked the part, like the do, 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 like for the verses, like that's a really cool riff that is not as hard to play as it sounds like. And those were the riffs that I excelled at. If, if it could be said that I excelled at any sort of riffs, like just the deceptively easy riff is what I really prized. And that was a, that was a cool one. Who is in the audience and why? <laughs> um, I, as I said, largely employees of the coffee shop and then the other yeah. people who are playing, Oh, all right. And and possibly and, their boyfriends or girlfriends. That's that's that would be the third category is the people dragged there against their will. <laughs> and I it 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 mortifies me, John, to say that I that several times young ladies that I was trying to date would join me on these excursions and just sit mm. there very politely and listen to me go do 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 and they're thinking like that's easy to play i know he thinks that we think that that's hard but i can tell that he's just this is one thing it's easy uh but yes that's yeah so employees other players you know and the the put upon loved ones quote unquote of the other players and were you when you play are you looking at your hands to remember your fingers where your fingers go or are you looking out at the expressions of your audience? I, what you want to do, I I'm looking at my hands cause I can't, you know? And so microphone placement was like a real issue, right? Cause like I'm trying to sing into the mic, but also look down at my hands and I end up sort of contorting my body into a shape that's not conducive to playing guitar, nor does it look cool, which is almost more important. And so, yeah, it's, I'd like to be able to tell you that I like, I had like sort of a confidence, like good posture. And then I'm looking out and I'm seeing like the beaming faces, you know, and like the, the celestial beams of light as people, you know, are bathed in my sensitive genius. But the truth is that I'm like staring at my hands, you know, that are shaking a little more than I'd like. And I just, I have, I have a very strange sort of animal, like, like claw claws for hands type posture and attitude. That's just not at all conducive to conveying competence, uh, frankly. So yeah, that's, it's probably for the best though, that I didn't look at people's faces. Cause I do think that a, a lot of times I would have been able to sense you know, the vacancy there. Right. Right. Is it a venue where people are, are talking? Is there chatter going on while you play or is there polite silence? It, mostly polite silence. I think people do understand, 
you know, what's happening here and that we have, we have sequestered the sensitive people into this room, you know, and this is a very, this is very important for them. And if we don't let them have this, you know, they're going to find some other outlet that is even, you know, worse for society. And so like, if uh, maybe, you know, you got a few people in there doing homework or studying or whatever, you do have some light conversation, but I do, I do think there's a, you know, don't poke the bear type you know, polite, you know, sort of worried silence that permeates the whole thing. It's it's a sort of quarantine. I would say that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like, just, just, just let them have this, you know, and and just get your coffee and, and check your email and get the hell out of here would be my advice to the civilian. So you've made it through your Smashing Pumpkins song. I Where have. do you go next? Well, let's see here. This this is, you know, what you you want to read the room, right? You want to try mm. and see, you know, do they want something like further upbeat, you know, or do they want like a slow one, you know, like a quieter one? Like it's, I you've done mid tempo, you can go either way. It's I can't really go any faster than tonight tonight, but theoretically, yes, I could go faster if I wanted to be even less competent okay so maybe you know if it seems like it's more of a dour sort of melancholy you know winter uh, you know ohio winters everyone's a little cold and wet and depressed it's like how about everybody hurts by rem like how's that gonna go over but you see i think that's a good choice for a song but here's the issue with everybody hurts john is that i i can't sing it's in the wrong key for me you know, I can sing tonight, tonight in the proper key, but it's too high. Like the when the day is well, I can't hit those notes the way my guitar is currently tuned, and so I have to tune it down a half oh. step or a full step while on stage with people right. watching me, even in like a disinterested, desultory type manner. Like they're still staring at me, and I'm going burr, burr. And I don't do it well, right? And so now I am playing Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. on a poorly tuned guitar. And I can tell that it's poorly tuned by like midway through the first verse, but it's like, well, I don't want to stop the song. I've, I've committed to this performance. And, you know, and it affects your singing, you know, and then, you know, that's when you see the vacancy on the people's faces, you know, they're really trying to beam themselves like into another dimension if they don't just right. go check their email again. You know, it's it's a bad scene. But uh this but, is this is when you've presented yourself at your most vulnerable and the response is I don't want to see this. I don't I don't care for this guy or his vibe at all. Yeah, and it's it I think I think the the idea, the concept that I'm radiating is like somebody, would someone please just go out with me and I wouldn't need to do this. I just, can someone just fall on this grenade like for a few weeks and no one will have to deal with this. You know, you can take turns, you can set up, you know, you can take like a, like a, you can get like a pool of money together, you know, just, it's, we can solve this problem collectively I think if someone will just accompany me, you know, to the movies once a week, but no, no one will. And so now I'm going to play Don't Follow by Alice in Chains, another song that I cannot sing, you know, mm. at its higher registers. I think it's in drop D. So I have to tune just one note, you know, just tune the E, low E strain down to a D. But even that is a perilous task at any point really but in public certainly and like now this is what's happening now because no one will go see the big lebowski with me so that's <laughs> this is what you get america this is, you all own this uh, yeah that's right it's just this is society has failed me and now this is happening as you as you tune on stage into drop d and everybody needs to everybody needs to just watch what kind of outfit and haircut are they seeing sleepy heads i want to tell you about another podcast here on the maximum fun network it is called the jackie and laurie show comedians jackie cation 
and Laurie Kilmartin talk about their week in stand-up comedy, and often the week in stand-up comedy. The program often devolves into discussion of the hosts' personal lives, which are very, very funny. They also feature a comic of the week to follow and highlight. It's all on the Jackie and Lori show. For maximum fun, wherever you get your podcasts. What kind of outfit and haircut are they seeing? Ooh, okay. Um, this is mid-late 90s. Uh, I, just post-grunge, I think, okay. would be both my look and my demeanor. You know, a great deal of flannel shirts. You know, a great deal of corduroy pants. Uh, mm. What kind of shoes? Now I'm thinking... I was never, I could never pull off like Doc Martens or whatever, and this is too early for new balances. I would like to know what kind of shoes, but they were nondescript. You know, I just, I just like the, the grunge foot soldier, you know, like just a non playable character in a video game, like in the first level. You know, I was like, there's, yep. Uh, you know, that was me, you know, like, and my t shirt would advertise uh, Pearl Jam, for example, or, okay. or Green Day, or, um, Ah, who else did I have? You know, probably some Soundgarden in there as well. Just the class, Nine Inch Nails, of course. Uh, sure. You know, just 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 letting my allegiances be known. But it just it had a it's had a certain non-military uniform type vibe to it. And are you going with shorter in the front, longer in the back for the haircut? <laughs> the haircut is, I, I just have never had a haircut really with any personality. You know, it's just, mm. I, the, the, what I have, I put gel in it, you know, when I'm trying to present, you know, a more, like a cooler look, you know, and then it just looks wet, you know, it just looks wet. <laughs> like there's been a rainstorm, even if there hasn't been a rainstorm right. when i would drive You've around i was just gotten out of the shower exactly yes it's like oh you caught me i was just i had been windsurfing recently and i just took a shower and i would like i would when i would drive around with my friends and we would listen to melancholy alternative rock music like i would lean my head against the passenger side window sort of sadly and then there would be like a little gel stain <laughs> on my friends when he's like what's that is like i don't know i was there when i got I, I don't know what that is like and so yeah i just so just like a, a, a overly wet man wearing a Pearl Jam t-shirt, you know, mm. playing you. Did I play Pearl Jam? I had to have. There's no way I, these people got away with not hearing Pearl. Maybe like Daughter? No, that's too hard. Maybe I, you know the song Wish List by Pearl Jam? It's on one of the later albums. I think I tried that mm. one and it was okay. But you Okay. Know. Okay, so after the after the tuning into drop D, what is it that you play next? Uh, it's a song called "Don't Follow" by the band Alice in Chains. Okay, uh, grunge band from Seattle. Seattle band. Yes, yeah. yes, and so like they're they're super like macho, you know, and but they have also these these rad and again this is my wheelhouse like easier to play than it appears, you know, acoustic tunes one of which is don't follow, you know, and there's two singers in Alice in Chains. There's Jerry Cantrell who plays guitar and like Jerry's voice is more attainable to me. Lane Staley, the other vocalist's voice is very much not like he's like one of the more famous, you know, grunge wailers, you know, of his era. And I just, I cannot sing like him at all. And so I can sing the Jerry Cantrell parts of this song don't follow very well, but eventually you get to the Lane Staley parts and that's where the wheels come off. Absolutely. Like I'm just, I'm up there, you know, trying to approximate, you know, one of the great vocalists of his generation. And it's just, it, it just ain't happening. Mm, mm. So it, what happens in the, in the room when you reach for those wailing parts? There's, don't follow when Lane Staley's part comes like he sings like kind of normally and quietly for a few lines and then there's a line scared to death the reason why and the note scared it's like scared to death and that note like i would reach you know the effort of trying to reach that note the effort at least was palpable 
you know, of just trying to reach, you know, for a shelf that was way too high over your head, you know, and just, ooh, like just, it's, I, I'd like to think that, you know, if nothing else, I conveyed, you know, the limits, you know, that I was trying to better myself, you know, and I, I had aspirations and I was, yes. my, my, my reach had, had, was beyond my grasp in a way that I hoped was, was, was cool and like perhaps even sexy. The nobility in going for the dunk. That's correct. You can't it, dunk the ball. The dunk is exactly, yeah, just like clanging off the rim. That's exactly the way. Just landing awkwardly in the bleachers. That's that's a beautiful image for that. Thank you. Yes. So you say you ha- you get about fifteen to to twenty minutes, uh, including banter. Mm. Are you attempting banter here? Are you making jokes? I in a very I I did occasionally. One time, and I cherish this memory, honestly, there was like a tray of cheese, right? Sometimes there was food, like free food available at the front room for no particular reason. And so as I say, like it's, I'm waiting for my turn and I'm like nervous, right? And I'm just eating little cubes of cheese. And then I get up on stage, like, and I'm tuning my guitar and I say into the microphone, it's like, I'm, I'm, I apologize if I look or sound bloated I just ate a bunch of cheese and one guy laughed and I am forever indebted to that guy. Somebody way in the back. I didn't see his face. I don't think I knew him. You know, I don't think he made any noise or acknowledged me in any way for the whole rest of this performance. But like he thought that was funny. And all I need is the one guy. You know, I would prefer it be a lady for obvious, but but it's fine. It's fine. It's just the one guy thought the one thing I said was funny. And so that's the only memory about my banter that I have allowed myself. I think I used to say a lot that I was nervous. And then one of the girls that I dragged with me is like, "You does it make you feel better to say you're nervous? I'm like, I don't know. It's like, don't say you're nervous. It's not helping. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish, but like it just, it just <laughs> don't know why I'm here. Yeah. To watch no, it. I, I, yeah, that's that was, she did not come back, but she was like, it's, I, I, if it's soothing to you, Go ahead and say it, but just know that you announcing that you're nervous just makes everyone else nervous for you, and that is not conducive to whatever it is you're trying to accomplish here. And I was like, "That's that's a good note. That's that's the, a valid the vibe that you're trying to lay down." That's right. Yeah. All right. So you've done a few songs here. Are you are you heading f- towards a grand finale? I, I in my mind I am, you know, did yeah. I ever I you're, if I you're had heading to say, for your own personal stairway to heaven or freebird, the signature I, Rob Hervilla song. I think that I did have one actually and it was it was my cover. I I I tried to write a few songs and I did and it's like I'd rather not even bring those up even in this contest, but like I I did a good cover of Drive by the Cars. Do you know that song? Who's going to drive you home tonight? You you put a capo on the fourth fret, you know, and it's, I I could do that one pretty well, you know, and I I loved that band. It's one of my favorite bands. Like from when I was like two to three years old, I started loving the cars, my parents' record collection. And so I, I, I feel like I did achieve some sort of mind meld, some sort of spiritual, you know, I got to a spiritual place with drive and afterwards, once somebody asked me, he's like, did you write that? And I got to be like, no, like, no, like, what do you know? No, I did. But I, that's, if I had, if I had a signature tune, you know, that I would play, if I got like one song, you know, to audition, you know, for, to get a, like a record deal or something, this never happened to me. But like, if that would have happened to me, that's the song I would have played and so by default that becomes you know the grand finale you had a favorite band when you were two or three years old that seems very young to have a favorite band it is it's too young frankly but my parents report that it it was the first cars album and it was vinyl right and and a vinyl record it has like the sleeve like the paper sleeve that their record goes in and often there are pictures and or lyrics printed on this paper Mm -hmm. sleeve. I think it was both in the case of the cars. And I would 
put the they would put the record on for me and I would run in circles in my living room while clutching that sleeve. I called it mm-hmm. cars paper. And I would just okay. run in circles. And I, I did that so often that like that I like rendered like I, I tore the cars paper and they had to buy another copy of the album just to get another copy of the cars paper for me. But this is this is what my parents were dealing with, you know, when I was two, three, four years old. I do think it explains a lot or sort of, you know, predicts a lot going forward. There is there is a lot. So um how many times did you perform at the open mic in college? Hmm. Let's do the math here. You know, I think the sweet spot probably I probably did it a little bit all four years. You know, okay. it probably took me a little later into my freshman year, you know, and maybe I had a few more things going on you know, by my senior year, but let's, let's say, okay, every Friday night, let's say like five to 10 times per year, like under 50, way under 50. Let's say like 25, 30, 35 times total over a period of four years, you know, some maybe consecutive weeks, but usually not, you know, I got to give myself, I got to recuperate, you know, sort of psychically, and so yeah. it's three to five times a season, a quarter, you know, that, that equals, you know, somewhere in the 30 to 50 range, 50, no more than 50. And was there a sense that you were building to something like this was your launching pad for mm. a career as a professional, sensitive young man, musician? I mean, in my mind it was, but I think that even, you know, with my healthy delusions of grandeur i think it was pretty clear to me you know the limit you know the ceiling available to me you know at this time i'm also playing in a few bands you know i'm playing bass in a ska band for a little while i'm playing bass in like a radiohead-esque you know space rock type band you know i got other things going on john but i as as for this you know i you know, I'm sure, you know, this dude, Bruce Dalzell, who runs the thing, like he once introduces me to the crowd as like, he's a young, talented singer, songwriter. And I just sort of beamed with pride at having like an actually accomplished songwriter describe me as a songwriter. Like that's a cool moment. You know, that probably is going to have to suffice as like a moment that I'm building to, but that's a nice little moment that I'm building to. Like, I, I think it's pretty apparent you know, that I've, I am not going to be a rock star. You know, I don't think, you know, this is to the extent that I'm able to, you know, attract the ladies. I don't think this is how it's going to happen particularly, you know, but it's, it's still a nice thing, you know, that I would do from time to time. And I probably relaxed a little once I realized that I wasn't going to get anywhere with it. Did you have, uh, any other musicians who performed who you Mm. resented? (laughs) Did you have nemeses? I wish I had. In retrospect, it would have been so much cooler if I did have nemeses. I do remember sitting once and watching a dude play. I guess that's why I thought of it. It was wonderful tonight. It was Eric Clapton's wonderful tonight, you know, and, and the people he had brought were were tremendously charmed by him and just, you know, just a very warm possibly a, a standing ovation, you know, extended applause. And I was just sitting there like, that's an easy, that's a dumb song. It's a stupid song. It's so sappy. Like this guy, this bum, you know, like I had like mm. sort of that moment, you know, for 15, 20 seconds, you know, and I was like, ah, oh, good for him. Right. You know, but I, it's, it would be way cooler if I did have, you know, like a, like an adversary, you know, in that way, if there was a villain, you know, who I was trying to vanquish with my sensitivity, you know, but again, it's all, it's all people like me at the bottom of everything. You know, they're just, they're all just going through stuff, you know, and then looking for love in all the wrong places as it were. And I think, I think we resented, if anything, how much we recognized of ourselves in each other, like one of those deals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, From what I can gather on internet, Mm. The open mic at Ohio University is now 
two nights a week. Oh. Wednesdays and Fridays. Wednesdays. That's interesting. That's a completely different proposition to my mind. Hmm. Were there storytellers or comedians or was it all music? There was one time, it was music almost all the time. And I don't recall any storytellers, like any sort of nascent podcaster, you know, moth type. Spalding Gray types. No, yeah, there was no Spalding Gray equivalent. But I did go once with my buddy to the front room and it was, it was, I think it was a comedy class where the final was you had to do stand up and oh, we just no. oh my god it was awesome it was so great i it was and so we just sat there and watched like 20 people do stand up for the first time in a row everybody's tight five you know and like the jokes that i remember are probably inappropriate you know for this for this program i don't know what the age you know you're going for here, but but well, I we don't want to jolt people too hard. Okay, as they drift off. It was uh, that's right. I'm that's that's very important. Um, that was awesome. You would I you were you're right to groan at that. You're right to think that actually that's terrible, and maybe it was terrible actually. But like I I did feel a sense of relief, you know. And again, like it's it's one of these moments where if I'm a little more emotionally astute, I can recognize that like, this is what I've been doing the whole time, right? Like this is just, this is the same principle applied to another entertainment medium, you know, and my incompetence is now being reflected in their incompetence, but still their enthusiasm, you know, and their fear, you know, that, that translates often somehow into charm, you know, and you're sort of rooting for them, even as you're wincing along with them, you know, and it, it's, it's, you're, you're white knuckling it and there's a great deal of, of cringing, but there is a sort of catharsis, you know, and, and just watching somebody like try to do something that's very, very hard for the first time and like not die in the act of trying. It's like, that's a victory in and of itself. Is there a way to instruct young people in the beauty that they live in where they can go up and be hokey or bad or corny with and have that be okay because i don't know that they'll really appreciate the the room that they have mm. during that phase of their life until that phase of their life is is long gone and everything is a lot more serious and weighted it's true. It's definitely true. You know, and we're talking college, right? You know, like my problems, I, the problems I have, no human being in history has ever had before, you know, and the, and the feelings as well. I just, I am just a wellspring of emotion, you know, and innovation. And just people cannot possibly understand, comprehend, you know, what I'm going through, John, what's inside me, you know? And, and of course, of course, you know, I can laugh about that now but i do look back with a great deal of affection you know on you know the 19 knucklehead 19 year old knucklehead that i was and yeah it's the 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 heartbreaking thing is like yes you know the cocoon that you were in the problems that you have the stakes as it were you know of your day-to-day life are are laughable compared to now and you will miss you know you will miss how little all of this matters when it's gone, you know, but that's sort of the beauty of it. You know, it's it, not realizing how good you have it is, is part of, is part of the process of having it. Hmm. Do you, a question about set lists, hmm. when you see a band or an artist performing, do you consult, uh, the web and the set list that they have played in shows leading up to the show where you are to get a sense of when this whole thing will be over? I absolutely not. You know, and I, I go with to my, my younger brother goes to a lot of shows with me and we argue about this because my brother wants to know what's coming. Right. And so he will do that, you know, and he will, I I knew they were going to play that song there because they played it, you know, in, in in Cincinnati the previous, I want to be surprised. It's very important Mm. to me because there is, you know, there is no greater thrill to me truly genuinely than like a song I've forgotten about, 
it's like, Oh, we had that one. Right. And it's like, it's awesome, you know, and it just, the, 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 the feeling of, of lightness, you know, and often it's a nostalgic feeling. Often it's transporting me back, you know, to, to the open mic night era, broadly speaking. But I, I, I very much want to be surprised. You know, I respect, you know, a little bit, you know, people who are the other way, people who want to know what's coming and people who want to know when it's over. That's knowing when it's over is a very important element, you know, of, of a rock and roll experience, you sure. know, when you're in your forties, certainly. Uh, but, but I, I try and know as little as possible. I don't want to be spoiled in any mm. sense. You want to experience it fresh and new. Do you have any advice for the young, sensitive, college-age person who feels the urge and drive to emote through song in public? Hmm. You know, the real, the saving grace of this entire period for me is that it was pre-internet. You know, blessedly, there is very little, if any, you know, and hopefully just no documentation, video, audio, otherwise of this happening. Uh, we obviously live in a very different era now. And so I do, you know, I, it feels as archaic to me as saying I majored in magazine journalism, you know, to say that I did this in a time when I could not put up my terrible cover of everybody hurts by REM on SoundCloud, you know, and just like or send TikTok. it to our TikTok. Oh God. Yeah. It's just, I, I am so delighted to report that I, I missed all of that. And so I, I would encourage people today who are of that mentality. And maybe this is impossible, like laughably so, but like to try and find an outlet that is not, you know, that, as you said before, sort is that's sequestered from the outside yeah. world to some degree. That's very hard to do now, you know, but it's, you know, it, it breaks my heart to see, you know, like these viral videos of just random people doing random things and looking silly, like people dancing at weddings, you know, and stuff. And just like, they, they go viral, you know, for looking silly or looking stupid or falling or whatever. And it's just a civilian person, you know, trying to have a good time, you know, in a public space, but certainly with not the expectation that they're being filmed, you know, documented, you know, and beamed, you know, to yeah. millions of people on the internet. You know, I, I do cherish the fact, you know, both for my sake and for everyone around me that like no one could tell what I was doing and you know, like no one had to be involved in it unless you walked into the front room in Athens, Ohio, you know, at 7.30 p.m. on Friday or now Wednesday. I'm really, I really, I want to go down there on Wednesday and just ascertain, you know, the vibe. Yeah. Specifically yeah. midweek. If, if there was a cassette mm. made of one of your shows mm -hmm. and someone put it in front of you along with the appropriate equipment to play a cassette would you listen to it i would i would i would it would it would sit on my desk for several days to several weeks and i would just sort of look at it and it would look at me and i would look at and i you know i there would be a build-up there would be an emotional you know you know working up the courage to do this i i was on college radio i was a college radio dj at the time, and again, this was pre-internet, and so no documentation exists of this either, other than a few tapes I made of myself, like air check tapes, right? And I recently listened to those for the first time in 20 years, you know, and that was, you know, that was a nice feeling, you know, it's like 60% cringe, 40% like warm, like, oh, that's kind of cute, that kind of thing, you know, and I think the cringe factor would be much higher you know, listening to myself playing Barely Breathing by Duncan Cheek, you know, again or something. Uh, you know, it's more of an 80-20-90-10 cringe charm sure. split. But I think I would do it, you know, and I think I would just, I would try and hear, you know, the naive charm in my shaky voice and shaky hands, you know, and just, just, just sort of extend some kindness to that person, you know, that not enough women at the time were willing to extend to him 
Understandably, I, it's, it's, it was a good move to stay away from me, but still, it was a bummer. If they had only taken one for the team. I'm saying, it's too bad. Rob Harvilla is the host of 60 Songs That Explain the 90s and author of the book, 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. And you should listen to this program and read this book because they are both delightful. Rob Harvilla, thank you. It's been great, John. Thank you so much for having me. And good night. Good night, John. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about set lists and Rob's open mic coffee shop performances as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced or learned. So if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Rob Harvilla right now while it's fresh in my mind. One, there was a period in time in which college students queued up to access an email terminal in order to view their emails. Two, playing Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins at open mic nights was a great way to release the stress and intensity of college in southeastern Ohio in the 90s. Three, sometimes it's good to just take one for the team and see the Big Lebowski with your sensitive writer-slash-musician friend. Four, I apologize if I look or sound bloated. I just ate a pound of cheese is a standout banter line. Five, a piece of advice for young open micers who may be listening. You announcing that you're nervous just makes everyone else nervous for you. Okay, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and my guest, Rob Harvilla. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on both Twitter and TikTok using the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is at sleepwcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Music for the program provided by The Winter Bowers. The show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. And it is a production of Maximum Fun and Papuchik. I'm John Moe. Night night. Maximum Fun. A worker owned network of artist owned shows. Supported directly by you.